Seattle Sucks, podcast about hating the city we love. It's a tagline, right? Yeah, that's Greg, it. Greg's just looking at me, waiting for me to fuck up or something. <laughs> so I'm Colin, uh, hi, and I'm joined with Greg hey. and a special guest. Hey, yeah, I am Greg. I, I'm i holding a chip with salsa on it, realizing that I'm actually talking right now. It's just eat it. <laughs> I mean... So... We're joined with our new friend, Justin Williams. I heard him on Street Fight the other day, and uh, I was intrigued because he seemed like an, a cool dude, and he lives in the same town. Actually, he lives like like less than a mile from where we are on my boat right now, and he used to work at Amazon. He's now like, a, like an embarrassed aristocrat. Like... <laughs> in, like, in the French Revolution, there were members of the Second Estate who, you know, held their noble title, but, like, hadn't had any money for generations, you know, and just, right. a, like, they're now. So, what was it like to be rich and now just be a fucking schlub like the rest of us? Wow. Uh, <laughs> hi, everyone. <laughs> My name's Justin. Um, what was it like to be, to be rich? Um, let's see. Some of the fun things I did when I was rich. Uh, I made a small dent in my student loans. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Tiny dent. <clears throat> um, I bought a, a modest vehicle. I bought, I bought a, a Subaru. Wow. Um. Extravagant. Yeah, I put all of my bills on auto pay. That's rad. That I, I that I did. I can I, get behind that. I yeah, did that put all good. of my all of my bills on auto pay. They're all off auto pay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've been unemployed for like um, a lot of months, like I have. Um, and the other similarity there is one of the other reasons that I wanted to hang out with you was that we do we don't do similar things for a living. Not at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't do a career that is similar, meaning that we do have similar skill sets and have done things that are similar, but generally speaking, don't do them. Yeah. Um, because no one wants to pay us to do those things. No. The difference being you were in-house at a mega corporation, mm-hmm. and I, for a decade, have been here and in L.A. working in media, in film and television production, uh, like literally everyone on the crew level in this business, or so I thought, as a freelancer. Often that's for, like, three days at a time. Sometimes, you know, in L.A. it could be, like, on a TV show, it could be, like, for four months at a time or something. You were producing on a team at Amazon that did that a little differently, and that really intrigued me. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so um, to back up a little bit, when I first got to Seattle in 2006 and in in, in how production was really working with those companies, especially Microsoft at the time, is they either partnered through an agency or agencies still did a lot of the creative work. Yeah. This, this, you know, going the, the mad men, if you will. Yeah. You know, still yeah. doing, still doing that. Um, but without the hitting of the women, cause it was 2006. That we know of. They did that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Honestly. Honest. Probably we not of. the drinking at lunch. Cause we're talking in 2006, we're talking dweebs. Yeah. Real dweebs. Yeah, yeah. Not cool. Mad, mad men. No. Dweebs. But no. go on. Yeah. And that's when I started in, in this industry and worked for a lot of really small studios that all went under. And the, the agencies would be, you know, no longer in Seattle. Um, if they were in Seattle, like, the, you know, the, the few would take it all. And the studios really didn't have work. And kind of created that whole environment. And when I was brought in to, to 
Amazon. It was from somebody I knew at one of those smaller studios. And what intrigued me was that he told me, we're going to try something different. We're going to try something that we think would work better. Yeah. And, and, I, and I heard that out, and we really strived to build that then. So, And that idea is with Amazon with all of its might, with all these companies with all their might, they can pay everybody, and I mentioned this on Street Fight, let's just make it just known, they can pay everybody from the warehouse up what I got paid, what everybody got paid. Yeah, they pay some more absolutely. Than that. Yeah. They 100% can do that. And we started from the standpoint of, look, we, we, we can build, there's enough people in this town, we can build a team inside that we no longer need to worry about staffing, we don't need to worry about anything. Let's build a little mini studio inside of the company. Yeah. Let's put everyone on salary. We're going to hire editors. We're going to hire Unreal. shooters. We're going to hire producers. We're going to have all this here. We don't need to farm out expensive creative because we also know how to pick people that at least we can together build something. Yeah. Right? So if you don't have that that one quote-unquote you know, creative mind, you put six together. I, you know, the, the idea that you overpay for these things just made no sense. On top of that, it made no sense that at Amazon and the other studios... Amazon paid those studios to make those things. So Amazon paid Amazon for Amazon to make something for Amazon. Yeah. And they counted it as profit, which is weird, because you moved money in a basement. That's, yeah. all, that's all you did. And we really existed on the, how about we not charge anyone? We have our bottom line costs for sure. You know, the, yeah. the, our, our gear, you know, they bought us great cameras, you know, everything we needed. We, yeah. You know, we, we got everything we wanted on our wish list. And let's work against that versus what we save. Yeah. And our first full year doing that, we saved $7 million for the company. Yeah. Just not while, farming that out. Which, I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. But you did that while employing a bunch of people, people. full time. Yeah. But like you were saying you had at least one grip on salary. I mean, that's like, to me, that's making my head spin. Because that's the way that the old studio... I mean, we're going to get into some, like... Mm-hmm. Dumb movie shit here, briefly, but like it's the way the old studio system worked until like the seventies when it all fell apart. Where you like a normal company, you would have a bunch of people who made your shit like a factory on salary, and they would be assigned to different things. You'd have different projects, but you were cranking them out. the The old studios, which are the, the names of which are still like the names of the big media companies. If you were a, a light a set lighting technician or a grip at you know Warner Brothers. You'd be oh they're they're making this movie this month here they're probably making four others when one ended you'd go over to another one or another one would be starting up in between the the three days in between maybe you'd be doing like shop where you'd be cleaning up your shop doing maintenance on your equipment you had a salary and you worked like a fucking job yeah. you know but now the entire industry worldwide for the most part with some exceptions of different kinds of content is everyone who works on the set is freelance you know and for a commercial that means they're hiring you know they've got like a creative agency maybe has a few people on staff the create the creative types and some administration but then they hire a production company that is maybe like a director and a producer and then they hire a crew of 80 people for three days to shoot this thing um, some of those people to plan work six days out of it. A few, like two or three, work two weeks out of it to plan and then wrap out more. But like, that's it. And then they're like, that's it. We have those costs. Now, the rates they make in those days aren't terrible sometimes because it's not like a salary job. You couldn't get someone with a skill set. You couldn't maintain that skill set without paying like a de- like a grip on a you know commercial for one day. The standard 
is something in the neighborhood like Union would be five fifty for ten. Yeah. You know, for ten yep. hours. That's a lot of money, but when you think about the fact that they're not readily employed, yeah. ultimately it's not enough money. Exactly. Unless unless you're you happen to be in a moment in time and a place in your own career with the connections you got, you're at the top of people's list, yeah, you can be making all this money. Or if you're in a town that has TV production like L.A. or like Atlanta or, you know, Portland has a couple of shows. Yeah, uh, New York. Uh, New York. You know, you can get on a show and it's like you've made it when, holy shit, I've been hired as a staff crew member for the next five months. And if I'm really lucky, this show goes another season and then I have another five months the next year. Yeah. And if you get in a really good place, you've got like a seven month show that then you make so much money at because they just work you so fucking horribly in TV. 16 hour days for seven for seven yeah. months when oh, you're yeah. working like 75 hour weeks. Yeah, that's rough. That you make so much OT at a union rate like crazy fucking OT that you're like, wow, I barely actually have to work for the next. That can happen, but that's some people are, are having that or have that for a few years till they burn out till they've, they're like three marriages down the line and like, uh, Hey, I've been married a bunch. Easy. <laughs> uh, you know, but so, you know, I have like real, like heavy chips on my shoulder about this fucking stupid, um, non-career that I don't have. So I've, along with chips on my shoulder, I've harbored like, stupid fantasies about like well, how I would do it you know and yeah. and you know it, good on you guys for trying to like actually treat people like employees you yeah. know and and we and we had the work that sustained it yeah you know we we had we had six producers uh I was just one of you know so there's six six people doing this job and the lowest amount of projects I had so they were anywhere from pre to to post in the in the scope at one time but the lowest I had was 15 yeah we average 17 to 25 a time for each of us. So, of course, we can keep the, the UGG gaffer busy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, they're, they're constantly running around. There's constantly stuff to do. And 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 just as much as uh, I will echo that same sentiment, I give zero shits about how much money we, we, we saved. That $7 million <laughs> mark. I, but I throw that out there because my reasoning of throwing that out there, we saved even more the next year, is yeah, that we yeah. cost less than that. And yeah. that's the point. And that's yeah, why this right. can exist. Mm-hmm. We didn't yeah. cost $7 million a year. It cost so much less than that. Yeah. So the idea, you know, and, and why we got that stake through our heart was because we didn't, quote unquote, generate revenue. Yeah. But again, what, what were we supposed to do? Charge the same company we work for money to create revenue when I... I, I we always saw it as what we saved is our revenue. Right, which is all just accounting yeah. bullshit, but yeah. I think the point really is you were doing a, like, mid-century model in the 21st century hell world that we live in that no one really was like, uh, this doesn't sound like what I learned in business school, and <laughs> yeah. and I know there's... I'm looking around, and other people don't have a grip on staff on salary. They They lay that person off constantly, I'm I'm laid off like seventy five times a year, you know. And yeah, and then I work for companies that are like when I do work are just bidding each other down. Every every job I do get now, it's always like, oh, this one's really low budget, so can you take a break on the rate? You know, and it's like you said that the last yeah. eight times. <laughs> uh, and so, but yet in our industry, we're the grifter because we say, "What's your budget?" And they and every client will always think, "What are you trying to milk out of me?" Yeah, I'm like, no, yeah. because. That will literally translate to what this looks like. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you what your budget is because if you have a million dollars to to throw to this, we're going to spend a million dollars making it look good, not because I'm going to line my pocket with a million dollars. Well, I'll tell you something else, though. 
a lot of people, especially like old timers in the business, are will have like a line of complaint that's like, man, this this shit is bullshit. Every one of these jobs, there was not enough people in my department and everyone else, and it's just not a professional way to work. It's making the product worse. And I actually look at them and I go, no, it isn't. It doesn't take that many people. They're looking at this way they came up, were trained like in the dying old system when they were like came up in the 90s. There came up in this system that was the skeleton of the system from the mid-century. It was really already like on its last legs. And you know what? It doesn't take um, three assistant directors. Uh, God, I mean, my life would be very different if it did. Um, seven electrics and seven grips. A fucking a prop master. A prop. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and two, uh, uh, a focus puller, a second AC, and a loader for every camera, you know? The thing is, it doesn't take that. One reason is because the technology automation yeah. in every single department has made things very different. I mean, the big transformation that's happening now is in lighting. Like, the LED t technology is finally, finally, like, really here on, like, a big industrial it's level. It's great. That's like... But it, I was just talking to a guy... The other day is like he's hanging up just a four foot tube of light that is controlled by an iPad that can do anything at a gr incredible histogram anything, like anything like with a, a super broad like um, frequency range like and I'm like so this this and he, and he, but he's the one guy yeah he's one guy hanging it up with monofill because it weighs nothing mm -hmm. and I was like so this just this just killed your job yeah that's part of it but the other part is it never took that many people no. It, it was bloated. Uh, it I, was bloated because it was demanded by union power. It, what those things they're looking for, this the professionalism, the dignity of the job, the working like a human being where you're not busting your ass like physically every minute on stress and just physically to get this, cram this shit into a sh too short of a schedule, and where you have, like, you have a key and an assistant, and then you have an army of people below, and everyone has a task, and everyone does it and waits, and you just sit back, you wait till it's done, then you do it correctly. It never had to exist. That was mm -hmm. because the unions were extremely powerful in the industry when it was all concentrated in one town, and it was u industrially unionized top to bottom, and they demanded those kind of working conditions and pay that went along with it. But today, between the rising technology, also the collapse of aesthetic for the most part, because not everyone's looking for cinema, a lot of, like, a lot of content is fine if it looks like it was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Like, it's, it, that, it doesn't, you know, that's 90% of what anyone's looking for. And you add to that the fact that the unions have no power, particularly in this town, but any, but less yeah. and less everywhere. That's the real story. Is like these things are not like set in stone. They're not. They're they're demanded by workers of capital to say you want to generate this content. We're going to do it like a dignified craft. Yeah, and to be respected. Yeah, and and come to work every day not and have... Yeah. Not, not over-respected, just respected. Yeah. As people. <laughs> have autonomy in our work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's something that, you know, p part of me knows what happened and why we failed, but another part of me also just thinks that maybe it was, you know, someone looked at us and went, ah, no one deserves to do that for a, for a living. Like, a full living. Yeah, right. Like, they were almost like, fuck these guys. 
Yeah. Like, just, no, that's, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. We, didn't, we don't like that. We don't like that this is what they're doing. I, I, living, making a living wage, working extremely hard. You cannot tell me that, you know, with your production background, that you can't even just imagine that we didn't work hard. Yeah. Of course we yeah. worked hard. You yeah, know, course, we, yeah. we did everything that, 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 that they paid us to do, and we did it with that production side of... Of, that I think most people in production have, which is you also, you sweat, you're going to be on set for 16 hours when you are. Nobody, we weren't the type of team where, you know, the producer, the director leaves afterwards. No, we all tear down. We're all in this. You know, it, it, so many of us felt like we made it. Not that we made it in a company like Amazon, but the fact that we made it somewhere that this job could be done yeah, that way. Yeah, look, I've had that fantasy, paid. man. And for years, but even then, you know, they, they, they found it, they squashed it. <laughs> yeah, ca- it's like they had to stamp it out. Capital right. s- will sniff shit like that out, man. All I right. still believe it's the way to go, though. Yeah, there, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that old model except for it grew too bloated. Yeah, and if you scale that back, it can happen again. And even and, and if any of the if there's any billionaires listening, you can still use it to line your own pockets if you want to be greedy yeah. that way and do it this way instead of everyone in this town in production. I feel is more pitted against one another. Yeah. Than they are feel like they're on it, uh, just even on the same team. Yeah. They it, there's this instant thing that makes them want to go. Well, what I I do what you do and I probably do it better. Fuck that! It's it's so. Oh, ridiculous, the professional jealousy, you know? even among friends. Yeah, I mean, among f- friends, there is this ultimate, like, inevitable professional jealousy. So my career is just dog shit. Um, even though I have like an incredibly, extremely developed skill set. So, but I, it's like a joke. I tell this joke all the time, but it's like serious. My best friend of like twenty eight years. Uh, I got him into this business shortly after I was in. But then, like an asshole, I fuck off, fucked off to L.A. to like do movies and shit. <laughs> he stayed here and came up on the production side, and now I beg him for work for like scraps to like so because he's PMing up here, and I beg him for work now. But I know lots yeah. of other stories. It's like everyone, everyone. And the second anyone figures out an angle also, I mean, the worst thing is, like, you see, like, people come out of nowhere, like, young people who, like, have, like, a swagger to them and, like, figure out a way to, like, shoehorn themselves in with some people and and start working. And you can't help but go, fuck those. They're taking fucking food out of my mouth. And it's like, you can't even be happy for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm going to use a, a, a shitty form of, like, commercial social media to prove this point. But, so my LinkedIn, we all have to have a LinkedIn. We have, You want work. It's got to be at least a point. Wait, is that know? my problem? That I don't have a LinkedIn? <laughs> so, so I'd, I'd done this for ten years in Seattle before I got to Amazon. I had, like, you know, 200 connections, and yeah. no one ever blew me up. No one ever, yeah. like, was either wanting to know what I was doing or, more importantly, what I could do for them. In the two and a half years that I was at Amazon, um, I met nearly 2,000 connections, and we could do an entire episode of just me going through and reading messages I never replied to because I didn't even know how to reply to that was just people, either some of them I knew that had fallen off the face of the earth till they found out, or just people who are like, hey, 
I want what you have. Tell me how to get it. Yeah. And what do you even say? I, I, I truly want all of us to have that. I really do yeah. believe that. I'm not an asshole in that regard where I say this shit and at least don't try to go live it. I, I fuck up. But like, I do try to live that. I want us all to have it. I don't know how we all have this because these companies don't want to build this. I mean, even what we built got killed yeah. before another company could even say, hey, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. But the jealous and, and the jealousy for sure. That's definitely it's it's all part of it. And if you've ever, you know, dealt with anybody just north of the border and their production community, and I don't know I don't I don't want to make any glib, you know, Canadian remarks here about them just being polite, but like it's a fucking community up there. Yeah. Their film industry is an actual community. Yeah. These people understand that that those basic of principle. We all do better when we all do better. I'm sure they have assholes. Of course they do. They have yeah. to. I, I will but, tell you, it is different in any town. Like, it's different between Seattle and Portland, even. Because Portland has the TV shows, it's actually the same IOTS, combined IOTSE local, 488, for the okay. entire Pacific Northwest. The whole scene is different there because they even just have, like, four, t- like, small TV shows that gets those four crews worth of people union wages with union contracts for like five months of the year and that gives them this understanding and this solidarity and this unwillingness to take shit from companies so like you can't call when you have most of the people in that business having being regularly exposed to like working on a union contract you can't call those people up and go, "Hey, will you work for half your union rate on my on my non-signatory commercial?" They'll yeah. just like hang up on you. But up here, that it, it's just so small. You know, everyone's working off the card, which is allowed in 488 because there's no other way. Which I mean, that's a glib way to put it, but that's all there is here. So it's just a very different scene, and certainly very different from Vancouver. Anyway, we want to hear more dish on Amazon from the inside now that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to work there again. Or maybe uh, anywhere for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do want to, I do want to throw out, um, I have about 13 applications for different recs at Amazon Open right now. So, um, <laughs> uh, as long as, as long as you two both say the words allegedly before, <laughs> then we're good. No, um, no, would I? Yeah, would I? Would I? Would I go back? Yes, but would I be the same person I was the first time? Absolutely. And that was somebody that um, I got to be honest. For as much as I thought that I didn't jive with the culture, and I, and I didn't, um, I was definitely kicked out of things, and I definitely um, uh, day one orientation. They said, "Please don't talk about what you make." Wait, wait. Do you mean? Your orientation yes. on the first day, day or the orientation for the day one mindset, because we know uh, all about that here. Yeah, yeah, there's also a building called day one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's their biggest one. Yeah. It's, it's actual Jeff's building. Good for him. Uh, yeah, so on, on my, my very first day, orientation, I'm not going to call it day one, it was my first day. They made a big deal, like, you know, there's there was 3,000 of us, and by the way... 3,000 people go through orientation at Amazon every Monday. So that's why your rent's so expensive. Yeah. That's 3,000 people every Monday. I can't say that enough. I'm, po- I'm looking right at the microphone. 3,000 people every Monday. Anyway, my session, they, they break you off into groups of a couple hundred, and, and they said, just remember, we highly discourage you from sharing your wages and your salary with anybody else. Weird. 
And, oh, that would be... and and she was she was ready to move on, but some asshole had their hand raised, <laughs> and it was me. And I said, "But we still can, though, right? Because we are federally protected to do so. That's how you don't, you know, pay somebody else less or yeah. pay somebody based on gender, race, whatever." If we're all open about this, you can't fuck us that way. Like, that's, we're federally protected. To where she very quietly, she's wearing, a, like, a, literally, she's wearing a lav. She's wearing a lav mic. You can't whisper and have a lav mic. She's like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, you can. Uh, technically, this gentleman is right. Um, but we highly discourage, and then the volume came right back, you know. We highly discourage that you do. So from <laughs> from day one, if you will, uh, that's that was my standpoint, was that... I, I still didn't look at it as like I, I had made it. Maybe I didn't know what I had. Maybe I'm the idiot looking back. But the the idea that if you see something wrong within organizations, if I'm fired for saying it, so be it. But I'm at least going to yeah. make sure that you know we're establishing these bounds. Yeah, there's a whole cons- conspiratorial scenario here where you know you could take that your uh, bad attitude was ultimately what killed your whole team. And if I was your girlfriend, that is what I would think. <laughs> That's just. The I cut. wanted to give ample time for that laugh to just be picked up. And I, I gave that. Sorry. When you put two creatives next to each other on a couch, we're also gonna like that angle's gonna come. I'm like, I'm just gonna let this laugh play and just and just play. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. And I would agree with you um, if it weren't for the fact that uh, they would have just happily destroyed my life. Yeah. But not 13 others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, including one who, oh, poor guy. Neil, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, we poached from GoPro in San Francisco. Yeah. Moved his whole life to, to Seattle. You monster. Two months. Two months is when this all this whole thing happened. And he was one of the people that, Jesus. you know, you just, you just take him. You just take him from a job. You know, he's, he's like an outdoorsy adventure guy. I'm sure GoPro was great. That was part of your pitch, no but, doubt. But, like, I, it was my pitch. I, luckily, <laughs> I, I was involved in some hiring of some other people, but not Neil. Love you, Neil. Um, lives in Ballard. Great guy. He's got a great dog. Follow his dog's Instagram. I was paid to say that. I'm so hungry. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, it's this idea of just understanding that you're going to see some gross shit at work. You don't have to be quiet about it. I don't think they're going to fire you, especially because... I was so vocal yeah. that that I, I feel almost creates another rumor. Something I, I told you about the other night. Uh, I had to sit at my desk and stare at quotes from people that uh, maybe at one point in their lives weren't absolute fucking monsters, but maybe something came out about them and they became absolute fucking monsters. And I had to stare at two quotes of them. It was uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Samantha Bee. Uh, one went over, trained with the IDF, and learned, taught his nine-year-old son how to shoot Arabs, and the other spent a lot of money with her husband to keep black kids out of their school. So, these are two absolute just monsters in their personal lives, but have a public persona. And I just stare at quotes of them. I asked for them to be removed once a week. I just would submit a ticket (laughs) and say, can I not look at the words of these two assholes? Like, that's all I want. Like, I'm already here. Do I have to look at this? Like, those kinds of things. I was loud enough about this shit to where I feel like if that were the reason, and my girlfriend could blame me for that, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be known. Like, of course, you, you, you fired the most vocal person here. 
Yeah. So, well, tell us about Question Time with Jeff. Oh, question, question Time. <laughs> so there was a couple chances you had uh, where you could go and ask questions, and all questions were submitted uh, beforehand, obviously, just like debates. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you can't just let anyone get to a microphone. <laughs> um, but you can run to the microphone, is what I learned. <laughs> Because then that looks... You're putting the pressure yeah. on them. Anyone who goes to a debate, just cut in line and run to the microphone. Because someone will have be like will be filming you being forcibly removed before you ever had a question. <laughs> the audience will not have context. Yeah, yeah. They will just see somebody drug away for no absolute reason. So if you're sick of these questions and debates, just, just bum rush a microphone. It's fine. <laughs> time, it, time it right when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked one uh, one time... Um, I got to ask Jeff, it's the only time I've ever been within, you know, so odd feet of him. He does work in a full panic room floor. Um, so I, uh, and I asked him, I really wanted to know why at that time the Washington Post had just run their 11th, like full on 11th hit piece on a single pair, but yet they had, <laughs> they had, and, and we're talking in like four months, they've written 11 things about God. It's so expensive. You guys, Yeah. the cost. Uh, but at the same time, the Washington Post, so before he owned it and after, hadn't run the total cost of the War on Terror since 2001. Not one time is that number, yeah. which is like over $5 trillion. Like, that number's never even been printed. Like, they've they've just shied away from that number. So my only question was, why why that? If, if cost is our... And, and that's when I was drug away. <laughs> so not while I bum-rushed the microphone... And got my question in there um, to the point where I was actually barred from when Eric Holder came. I scanned my badge to get into that room, and I was denied. Did like they, the smile they, turn upside down? <laughs> they just knew. They were like, "Don't this guy's going to ask about the NDAA or some shit?" And we just want <laughs> Eric Holder to talk about how he's helping make Amazon better for its customers. And I'm going to ask about drone strikes. Let's be honest. Yeah. So um, cool. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a real elaborate plot to just get rid of me for this kind of shit. Right. Yeah. To, you know, to really take down the whole the whole team. And by the way, change the whole way that team even does business. Like, they don't even... They, they charge back now, is my yeah. point. Like, our old model is dead to the point where... Um, yeah. So, I guess if Amazon gets kudos for anything, it's they, they, they let me kind of-ish do that. Maybe I was just their token activist. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I don't know what... But I didn't get a lot of pushback on that. Um, I never was talked to about that. Um, I had a whole fight with uh, an executive about about uh, our, our benefits because I realized that our 401k was going into a, a lot of um, the things most 401ks go into, yeah. which is uh, wars, weapons, yeah. defense contractors, things like that. And I wanted to pull back out. And so, I mean, I had battles, you know, principled battles all the time. I was never pulled aside and talked to you about that. They must. The impression we get is that Amazon feels it's sort of above that kind of stuff. The that the sort of they want to think of themselves as above and beyond politics. And they're probably not wrong that you're not really. What's that? I have that Jay Carney email to prove that they're not. Oh yeah, wait. Remind me what that. Yeah, so um, I have an I have an email. Maybe post it on your Twitter. Um, I'm happy to give that out um, now that I've removed the digital watermark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my name's on this. It was uh, Jay Carney. So worked uh, for Obama. Yeah. And came to work for Amazon. Sent an email to all employees encouraging us to give to Amazon's uh, political pack. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, which, by the way, they emphasize the fact that they that they support candidates on both yeah, sides that they just do. make sure our customer experience is as bad is as good as it can be. Well, you got to like those customers. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. all about it's all about. No, I read that email, and it was like he mentions three times, like you know that just policies that are good for the customer experience. Customer you know? experience. They gotta have a good customer experience. That's the neoliberal rubric. Oh, yeah, you know, yes, yeah. consumerism. Yeah, nice. and I and I would I would say that, and I believe even beyond like, you know, that the neoliberal economics. Jeff is definitely one hundred percent libertarian. You know, yeah. he is, he is, he. I really believe he feels he he did this. Yeah, he did. Definitely. He he did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean. I, I I made this. Yeah, well, you know, it's that that idea that I made this, regardless of his five million dollar government subsidy from the literal day one. Yeah, maybe that's what day one really refers to. It's like an inside joke for him. That day one where he started with five million dollars. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, know. gotta have you tell us about this story. I guess it's a secondhand story, but from a secondhand story a told development. To me. Uh, uh, some charity development person told you. Yeah, yeah. That you know, I, I worked for this charity. Well, okay. it's going to go unnamed. Um, I gotta help the charities. Um, I worked for this charity on contract back in 2013, so well before the Amazon days. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of their one of their donations uh, callers. So, um, but dealt with the high volume uh, donors. So, and the and the large volume donors. So the Balmers and the, you know, lots of these people. Yeah. Given given just a couple million here, a couple million there, which is probably less than one percent. Always reached out to Bezos and his people. I mean, Smile didn't even exist until like 2016. Yeah. You know, Amazon and Bezos were just a no charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in 2013, told me over lunch when I asked if Bezos ever gave, literally said, every time I reach out. I am told the same thing over and over and over again, and that is that Amazon is his gift. That Jesus, that's that's chilling. That's fucking. That is that's insane. So awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. But I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at both of you right now. Don't you get it? You that is his gift. <laughs> He's. You're welcome. He's done. We're um, building a better world. I guess we know who John Galt is. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, Amazon is my gift. I mean, that, that that was the belief, and it wasn't until, I think, just absolutely hammered worldwide at, at a certain point on, come on, man, fucking charity. Do, do something, even though we give the same way Gates does, fake charities, whatever, right. put it into a fund that makes you more money than you had from the get-go. But, like... Do something, at least symbolism. Do something, like yeah. do something as fake as it could be. At least try, and uh, yeah, it wasn't until well after that. But that was the old belief. This, I, I I'm done, you guys. I'm sure, yeah. I've given the world the best thing I can give it. Yeah, I'm sure he well, still he, thinks that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has revolutionized consumer <laughs> delight. Okay, like what more do you want? Um. So I will never the, be invited okay, The last thing we want to talk to you about is um, about like from your story specifically is just the whole the inside take on the whole Miss Amazon pageant, the H HQ two uh, bonanza bum fight. Bum fight. Yeah. It was a bum fight, basically. Um, however crazy it got out in the streets, 
that was even crazier inside those buildings. The speculation, the actual, like, I I know people whose lives were negatively affected because of how positively they ate the bullshit. That's so cool. Actually purchased real estate in, like, speculative cities. You know, for the longest time, I even told people. Well, the, the capital yeah. class can do that. They, they right. have money they can <laughs> afford to lose, all right? You yeah. Know what? Yeah, I mean, and I gotta be I gotta be honest, I would have gotten there, too, had I not been fired. Or, I shouldn't say fired. I wasn't fired. But anyway, had my role not been eliminated two months, <laughs> two months before I vested. Yeah. You know, then I could have maybe done some fun stuff. But see, they give you an offer letter where they promise you uh, three-tiered things. But if you don't make that time, one of those tiers, the most lucrative, is the one that disappears completely. Um, but anyway, um, but I, I see what you're saying. There's lots of people there who have been there long enough to vest multiple times. Right. Yeah. And these are the people who are you're like, how at a company with a salary cap are you driving an Aston Martin? Yeah. It's stock vesting, you know, and yeah. unlimited bonuses. Like stocks are unlimited and the bonuses are unlimited. Salary is capped. Um, at a very, very high yeah. You know, like livable, like low compared to Google, but high compared to what a human needs to live. Yeah. yeah. Um, Except uh, in this town. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, in, inside, man, uh, the, the, I mean, first of all, if, if no one does know this, everyone should know this. Most of the press that came out of that was just literal rewording, like, or, or I shouldn't even say wording, literal word for word Amazon press releases oh, yeah. on what HQ2 was going to be. Is, is what got put out there. So nobody did their jobs to ever even scrutinize, you know, like uh, uh, on a large scale, that this was maybe pernicious in any way, or maybe maybe this is garbage and they're like f- making, this is a bum fight. Yeah. They just want to see what you're willing to give up in order to get the this idea of an HQ2. Yeah. And, and people inside ate it up. I mean, it was, it. I mean, in the regurgitation, it... It's the first time in my life uh, I don't I don't I don't do the whole zombie thing. I don't even watch zombie stuff. I think it's I, I just I don't I don't get it. Like the dead reanimating. Like death is the one thing we're promised. Can we not ruin that? You know, like with the idea that I have to somehow come back and eat a brain. I don't want it. Fuck that. Anyway, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm anti-zombie, but I felt like I was surrounded by zombies. I mean, they were just regurgitating the shit. Over and over again, and like I said, to the point where I know people that actually bought real estate in in cities. Which, by the way, when they announced that no one won, um, yeah. which I don't know how widely this is this is covered, but DC and New York, right? So Seattle's where headquarters is. Anywhere on the globe, the second biggest city they had a presence in was Luxembourg. Very generous tax things going on in Luxembourg. That's the second biggest. Huh. In the U.S., the third and fourth biggest were D.C. and New York. Yeah. Weird. You you picked, oh, we're going to split HQ2 between the two cities we already have over 20,000 people in. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're going to rate around double, like, you know, what you have. So even that was disingenuous. Yeah. Because if you're not outing that these are the two biggest footprints outside of Seattle that you have in the country... It's going to sound like they still won a weird lottery yeah. when they didn't. Yeah. Um, and, and very misleading about that. And, and as long as you, you work there, like, you know, we didn't just, my team didn't just service Amazon Seattle. We, you know, we went to these places. Yeah. If you have a massive campus already in, in the, 
you know, in the greater DC area, uh, it's not, you're not doing much by adding more employees to it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 to me, it always kind of rang like a, like a bum fight. And, and more than that, it, you know, I like to, I like to say it was, it's a mobster move because it is the ultimate way to like put a horse head in a bed for the city of Seattle. They yeah, say oh, yeah. Chicago will give us fucking this. The whole state of North Carolina promised something. The whole state, not even a city, the whole yeah. fucking state promised something. And, and I think this is just leverage that they had. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things not to go, you know, on a completely different topic, but if we just abolished states. Yeah, anyway, no uh, not saying I'm for that, but I'm just saying no, you, couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't bully another yeah. one yeah. by threatening to go somewhere else. And, and it's one of, those, one of those things where I think that was just ultimately a, a, a giant dick swing on their behalf yeah. of just saying, look, look, look what we'll get. But what I'm and, interested in is, like, were people, to, so you think, like, or, like, at what level of people were buying, like, real estate in places that weren't even, was, were people in Amazon buying real estate in places that weren't even New York or D.C.? Yeah. Like, yep. Atlanta, okay. Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. No, that's the exact city. Yeah. So I've I've hung out with uh, some like at bars, some friends of friends who are Amazon people, because like that's like so many fucking people. Um, and I remember like them that they would just get into that conversation like very confidently, going like, "Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be whatever." And I think you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll take a thing out there and like, you know, if I had the money, I'd buy it. You know, and, and Atlanta came up a lot as people were very confident because. Only because there was a media narrative that had fixated on that. You and, know, and yeah, like, and and then you look, it's like, so, you know, like, once that media narrative's there, you start overstretching, right? So, I get it. You do have tech schools. A lot of tech schools in that area. Yeah. So, I do get, like, but that's something that no one said. People just started creating the narrative. Yeah. You know, you have it out there, oh, Atlanta could, could be really hot. And then it's speculation past that. You know, so even media speculating, well, you know, the SEC, all those schools are so tech heavy. Um, you know, this would be a great spot for them to be. Uh, you know, what will you give us? And uh, so, yeah, I know three. So I was an L5. That's yeah. the highest that I ever climbed. My boss was a six. His boss was a seven. Sevens and up. I know three sevens personally, like as I knew them. They're not like friends, but like personally knew them, chatted with them. That bought property in Atlanta. <laughs> that fucking owns. The L seven are, are they're the ones that can like astral project. Or they're. Whatever. <laughs> is that... Listen, yeah. listen. The only one, the only one that matters is Zenu. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. So you know, Amazon delivers their packages in spaceships that look a lot like DC eights. Oh, anyway, so, <laughs> I, I went on a Scientology joke there that went oh, that, was, that is so yeah. fucking cool. And I and and I can tell you, and I'm not. Here's where math comes in, and I will never do math on purpose. And that is that their salary cap is hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. That's uh -huh. like the cap at Amazon. I received an L4 offer. I know what that looks like. I received an L5 offer. I know that jump. And I can assume that it's an equal jump from 5 to the 7. Right. And I know that at a 5, although I was able to put all of my bills on auto pay, and finally, like, I literally spent two and a half years never worrying about money. Yeah. But I didn't feel like I I, I had a bill. I, I still couldn't buy a house. That's right. with me and my girlfriend both working. 
Like, yeah. still can't afford to buy a house. No, this town. Yeah, you got you got loans. You have yeah. other things you have to pay off. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I di- I never got to vest. That was like the the vestment dream, right? Was the that's the house because at yeah. least that's the down payment. Yeah. That doesn't make the house payment more than your fucking rent. Yeah. So you know, um, you know, I never got I never got to that point, but I could tell you that if the increase from a five to a seven is anywhere near what it was from a four or from a five or yeah, from a four to a five. I, yeah, I might've bought a fucking warehouse in Atlanta and been like, can I turn this into trendy fucking hipster garbage lofts? I don't know. Like, and, and, and and yes, it is funny on them because you know, they, you get to the point where you get to like play around in another city's speculative real estate. Um, that's, that's honestly when I start coming for your metaphorical head. Yeah. That's actually my point. Like, like that is my tipping point. Yeah. Know, we should all be able to put our bills on auto pay. Yeah. No one should be able to speculatively buy property in other spots. Well said. I don't know if it's weird, but that's when I come for your metaphorical head. Yeah, no, very well said. Um, yeah, no, and that is like, yeah, everybody should be, like, you were getting paid uh, what, like, a human's time is worth, you know? <laughs> in, you know, maybe not even that. Uh compared to you know what that buys in this town and everyone else is making what like a lump of dog shit's time is worth I mean, yeah <laughs> uh so you know yeah Every, um, everyone should be able to, to live you mm-hmm. know you know once you start buying speculative real estate you're controlling how other people live once you have i know well, it's a low cutoff i'm sorry if i no, have a I low mean, look, threshold no, no, at all but like that, that is my threshold. Is, we're talking about capital here yeah yeah people who have enough money that they can afford to invest it which means they can meaning they can afford to lose it um and they don't need to exist we don't need them yeah um they, there's there's no positive purpose for them in our society let's talk about how we can better serve capital <laughs> <laughs> Uh, something always cupping? on our minds. <laughs> I, you know, that would probably pay better than what I do now. Um, I, I, I'd cup some billionaire balls for fucking... Don't do like, that. Well, I, I mean, you can't not pay your rent, right? Yeah. Thing is, you can not pay your mortgage. It's actually like a normal thing. Uh, people go for like eight months at a time and not pay the mortgage fees on their boat to the marina and then eventually the marina chains your boat to the dock so you can't abscond without paying your bill and eventually if you don't pay after that they'll sell your boat and (laughs) as they're uh legally able to in your contract but the thing is yeah it's kind of almost fucking normal to just not pay now it's different because i'm here every day like i waltz to the showers in my bathrobe with my soap on a rope and walk by the office and wave at the dock master and I'm using their like water and electricity. So it's maybe like a little, there's a little more pressure, but another nice thing about living on a boat is like, I have not paid rent for March. Uh, and it's not this, it's like, uh, you know, I could go another eight months probably. (laughs) So, uh, cool. Anyway, so tell, so have you thought about developing an Amazon and claiming it's your gift? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh fuck! Why didn't I think about changing the world? If only any of us would have thought about selling something to somebody else on the biggest thing available to that person to buy something. Ah, man, God damn it! We're all dumb. Fuck me! Oh, what a man. genius! Yeah. I guess all I would have needed was brilliant. to have been born rich and then come up on in on Wall Street. Have you thought about going to Harvard Business School? But in the past, have you Ooh. thought about? 
Have you thought about reversing how you've lived it and then done that instead? That Honestly, like uh, if I could do that, if I had a time machine, I'd tell Harvard Business School to go fuck itself. 100%. 100%. So I'd rather be poor than go to business school anywhere. But listen, we want to hear a story. Tell us about what you've got for us. Yeah, um, well, uh, did we... This has everything we love. Did we first want to talk about how... The homeless can better serve capital. Oh shit! Okay, just a little. Oh check in man! With, uh, so, one of our favorite local startups. So we speaking of gifts in our right first away. like full episode, I think. Yeah, I think it was. We we'll posted in the link. Oh, we're at a we're, we're at a pause. <laughs> oh, hang on. No, no, keep keep going. Okay. In our first full episode, we talked about this this yeah this great little local startup, right? And yeah. they had. Uh, and they were getting written up in, I don't know, was it the Seattle Times or something? Yeah, it might have been, yeah, it might have been the Times. <laughs> it might have been the Times. Uh, I don't really recall now. Yeah, it was, a, it was like, like eight Puget Sound or something. Business Journal or something. something. But, um, but hey, they're now, they must be in like another round of uh, investment or something because they're out on the town getting people to write them up in some to publish their, some fake journals uh, something PR. called Fast Company which yeah. seems to be like a tech business startup uh, I don't even want to know what it is but Fast Company I it, that it's a it's it sounds perfect for the these guys. Um, so we're just gonna give you a, like an in depth rundown right on on where Samaritan app is now. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. They were doing a a two year um, trial, right? right? Like a study yes. Yes. where they passed out their um, amulets of yeah. power mm-hmm. that I that like ping. Um, when a homeless person, like, it pings your phone when a homeless person is nearby so you can flee. Yeah. And that gives them, like, a fake script. They can only pay, like, buy yeah. things at the company store mm-hmm. or under the supervision of the yeah. state or something. Yeah, and cannot be used to buy, I think, alcohol, maybe even cigarettes. That, that's, like, the whole idea. The yeah. whole point is so they can't have any fun. Right. Um, well, they get cool jewelry. So, like, let's give like a nice long rundown of where they're. Let's let's hear all the details. Okay. So first, I want to say that this was filed under world changing ideas. Oh, right. It's fast company <laughs> ideas. World, world changing ideas. World changing ideas. We're in the world changing ideas section of fast company. Listen, I have, I have a question about this company, uh-huh. real quick. If they're getting a write up in this magazine, yeah. how, what is their zero to sixty? Because if you're gonna call your shit fast company, yeah, I want to know real details. Yeah, what's you know, the horsepower, what's our top speed. Sorry, I'm gonna shut up. Uh, Bad sorry. joke, audience. Yeah, I, I don't know if they do like a company combine or something. But, do I need uh, to come back with a more leftist take? If you work at Fast Company, literally go jump in a lake. <laughs> well, I was thinking before. Fast Company, like you know, someone who's gonna who's, who's fast, like you're gonna you're gonna score. You know, that's what I was. Like Making fuck? time? Yeah. Making yeah. T- yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> this app tells you the stories of your homeless neighbors. So this is something, that's the headline. Oh, under right, because they have changing, profiles. Under world-changing ideas. So I guess the world-changing idea is that the homeless are people. But people mediated <laughs> by a social, uh, a semi, a fake social network where you yeah. read their profile and judge them. I, we don't have to go <laughs> into all of it. Dude, okay, 
uh, our guest Justin is raising his hand, and we know that he's very polite. And mostly, and, uh, I want to refer him to our earlier episode, which I want to make him listen to. But we'll ask. We'll take your question now, sir. I, <laughs> I, I, I already see something horrible in this, and that is that. Here's the problem with. So I, I I'm not speaking literally now. I'm gonna do a character. The problem with the homeless around me is that I don't know their name and can't rat them out easily. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, I haven't read this article, and that's immediately where my head yeah. went. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're well, basically, it's... it's Putting it's, yourself yeah. on a list. Yeah. 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 Well, and you're creating a marketplace of homeless people so that we can determine which person gets the most money. Yeah. Like, For- who's the most deserving? Yeah. The most marketable sob story. And also if you need to rat them out. Yeah, right. Which white yeah. people will do yeah, all yeah. Just, the time. If the police just need, like, uh, a sonar, like... Well, you know what? They probably... Like pinging to, like... They've got geofences in for private property, so yeah. when you cross yeah. that, it just immediately dispatches to 911, like, or trespassing, a, trespassing. Or the Mark II will just, like, circumvent all that and administer an electric shock. Or it can hear sound, and it's like, public urination, public urination. <laughs> While on a while on a lunch break in downtown Seattle, this is the the story, the idea, which I, if you're a longtime listener, you already know this, but we're gonna do this for Justin and because this is funny, this story is funny, um, in a dark way. While on a lunch break in a downtown in downtown Seattle a few years ago, Jonathan Kumar watched as a homeless black man stood at an intersection with a sign saying that he needed medication for diabetes. As drivers passed, no one rolled down a window to offer a donation. No one even acknowledged that he existed, Kumar says. Kumar walked over to the man and asked him about the challenges of trying to raise the money he needed. He said, I've got the wrong, the wrong look for this, the wrong skin color, the wrong clothing. Nobody actually believes that I'm homeless. It was at that moment that I realized that this person wasn't just experiencing financial poverty, but relational poverty. He couldn't share his true need in a way that people could quickly understand and perhaps relate to. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just gobsmacked. I mean... <laughs> Kumar, who was on the verge of leaving a tech startup, wondered if technology could help. <laughs> no! Jesus. No, you dumb fuck. Go... Oh, go so, back to your dorm room, I, you I, idiot. I, I, I think, I think like most, like most people, have at least of like a leftist slant, have have read No Logo at some point in their life. Naomi Klein's book, No yeah, Logo. Yeah. She talks in there about how Pepsi a long time ago purchased plans to project the their logo onto the moon. They've never done it, but they like they've owned the rights for like a hundred fucking years. Yeah. And I always said. That the day I kill myself is the day that I walk out my apartment and Pepsi's logo's on the fucking moon. We've accelerated that oh, today yeah. hearing that story. Yeah. I don't want to be here anymore now. That is... I'm with you, man. That, 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 that has accelerated this this goal. Yeah, yeah because that's, that's... Fucking crazy. Sorry. Fucking yeah, crazy. pretty soon we're yeah, all going to have advertisements all over our clothing, probably. Um, but I mean, like, that's really selling sponsorships on... Or like... Do the do their profiles that share their stories have ad content? Like not that, not that it. I see, but it shows a little screenshot, and it says introducing one of their new vendors, I guess, and it says, 
I am on disability and I'm not able to work. I was renting a room and ellipsis. So that's all you get. And then it says give $5 or learn Ginger's story. It's it's like fucking Tinder or something, right? You're like, well, no, yeah, fuck is. off. I don't like your story. Yeah. Fuck, I'm not going to give you five, five dollars. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, suffering like it's like the marketability of yeah, your suffering. Totally, yeah, yeah, and, totally and just commodity. Yeah, uh. yeah. But let's skip. Let's skip the rest and yeah. tell us how. Tell yeah. us how their trial's been doing over the last two years. Because the rest is what we've already covered. It just tells us how it works, which is dystopic, as we've covered previously. And so it says in this pilot, which Greg mentioned lasted two years, Samaritan gave out five hundred beacons. More than half of the beacon holders reported making monthly visits because of the beacons and these monthly visits we covered in our previous episode. They have to check in essentially with service providers uh, yeah. uh, or uh, social workers. Social or workers, you know. yeah. And forty-two people said that their lives changed because because of it. So forty-two people is like eight <laughs> percent. And imagine how much money Samaritan has burned just to be created. Yeah. yeah, I bet you it's millions of dollars. Eight, I sh- I tried to find find them online, but eight eight percent said their lives were changed. That's it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. It's not even called, like not like yeah. I don't know for the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Changed. <laughs> changed. I'm forever touched. Yeah. By Samaritan. I yeah. had two legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, that yeah, sucks. So, yeah. Same old shit. Uh, and it's really funny. But there must be out looking for more investment. Um, but we'll link to the our previous episode where we really go deep on that shit. Okay, now. Yeah, so. To Forbes. To, to Forbes. To Forbes land. This, we found this from Jenny. Yeah, from Jenny. Jenny tweeted this because she is quoted heavily she, in yes. this um, article in Forbes. Yeah, so Jenny tweeted. Uh, this was a little while ago. Uh this was March 6th, so this was done pretty recently. She says, In Seattle, we are working to ensure that we create a pathway to provide our kids with innovative, good-paying jobs of the future. Forbes writes about how some businesses are working to close the opportunity gap through micro-internships. Oh, man, there's just so much going on there. Like, it just bodes so <laughs> Like that is just such an, so many evil portents in that. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of managerial sort of like thirty thousand foot phrasing. Too, yeah. You know? like, oh my god! All right, I cannot wait to just mainline this shit. This is Jenny Durkin in Forbes. I mean, just like get just lay it on me. All right. So the. Uh, I mean, well, none of us book it. why micro internships will be the next big thing by jason wingard they i don't know what they are but they sound like dog shit so i'm guessing they will be the next big thing they might be cool like micro brews or micro phalluses i don't know (laughs) i write about the intersection micro aggressions exactly all the all our favorite micros micro machines (laughs) I've read about the intersection of strategy and leadership development. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, like, are you saying those two things, strategy and leadership, are related? They're they're it's intersected. Yes. Wait. So. So there's parts that aren't, but there's. Did I also hear the words "read about"? 
Uh, who are we? Wait, is this the this author? Is the of this author. Page? I just who have is this. Who is this? this? Is Jason, Jason Wingard. Okay. And it says leadership strategy. I guess is his. That's his domain. And then under his that brief, it says, I write, "I write about the intersection." Oh, write about. I thought it was like literally a guy being like, "I read about these things." Sorry. Okay. <laughs> that would be awesome. This is his book report. <laughs> that's, just, yeah. that's just my drummer ears hearing something funnier. Uh, it's what only, they do. do you want me to read this? Or? Yes. Okay. Okay. We're we're going it, for it. It sounds okay, horrible so far. So yes, punch me with so it. Whip me. The first three <laughs> words <laughs> are Mary, Mary, Mayor Jenny Durkin. Woo! Oh yeah. Air horn. Recently announced an expansion too of, late, too of late. her city's <laughs> Seattle Promise program, which awards two years of free college to selected public school students. Whoa! Free college. Awesome! <laughs> Wait, what was the last part of that? <laughs> um, well, uh... To selected public school students. Oh! Selected... Oh. Oh. Selected... So, yeah. the whiff I'm getting here is the the absolute kernel of American liberal democratic meritocracy, which is... We are going to reward the best students and push them on as, as a fulfillment of and evidence of our progress you know, as Americans and liberals. But what? How many kids are we talking about here? It might go on to say something. I, don't I, I listen as a Subaru owner, as a former <laughs> Amazonian. All right, let me just say, selected students means exactly that. There's going to be nothing, nothing that we don't want to hear coming up. Continue to read. Yeah. <laughs> Later this year, Opportunity Promise, in quotes, will begin arranging paid internships between select Seattle Promise scholars and tech companies like Amazon and Expedia. Oh, okay. good God. You guys so, have a knife or something? Yeah. Like, I'm just, so, this is just coming up. So the... So, Seattle Promise, that's the name of the program? Yes. So, I, I did look into this er, a little earlier. It, it's been, it's a scholarship for free, just two years of college, though. Yeah, but this to, is... But for for just, like, for, a small, like, like under ten kids a year. And I that's what I didn't what realize, thing. because this was announced, and actually, I think I even said on the show, this sounds positive. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realize it was a fucking lottery. Or, like, a scholarship that not everyone could do. Yeah, it's just you find the... Like, I mean, this is their attitude. This is progress to the to the lib, you know? To the yeah. lib dem. Is right. you find the kids who are really, you know, doing well in school. Those brightest kids. Because if you elevate them, right, they could be the next Einstein. And they, you know, whatever, blah, on and on and on. And and then you could be getting, especially if you target this at uh, underserved communities, right? Then the kid, I mean, the kid who's performing from an underserved community in, at an underperforming school, well, that's really like that's a special extra kid. Extra performing. I mean, this is Moneyball. Exactly. <laughs> and no, it, it, yeah, absolutely is. And that all is great, but like it leaves out a lot of the story, which is what the fuck about everybody else? Uh, what everybody else? So like, you <laughs> can identify this. <laughs> this is this, is, this is the kernel. This is the nut of meritocracy. Right. This idea that if we 
are rewarding the ones who deserve it most based on our professional managerial criteria, which is basically scholastic achievement. Moneyball, yeah. Um, you then everything's okay, everything is equal because opportunity is yeah. available to that <laughs> small upper crust who deserve right. it, independent of the things the stressors like economic background and right. race and whatever yeah. other um Sus- intersectional yeah, or systemic uh, societal issues that right make it difficult for you to go to right higher education. so it's, so if yeah. you go and you get that poor black kid who is he's just gonna be getting straight a's fill your roster he's gonna take you to the top and he yeah. may he may just do that she may just do that yeah and that's great, giving that kid not that opportunity, like trying to break through those barriers of poverty and systematic fucking structural racism. Those are good things, but you don't actually do that by elevating one kid right. out of a yeah. class of yeah. fucking a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all you do is elevate to power the people best who meet these the these scholastic anyway. criteria yeah. and what i mean where does that get anybody else what what society how do what what society we're we living in do we end structural racism no do we right. end we're not ending right. poverty obviously yeah. you're just elevating and representing more people with more backgrounds in leadership i I sense your hostility, but I feel like he's still going to get to that point, though, where we we learned that three billion kids are going to benefit from this. Three billion, with a B. We're going to get to that point in the article. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for it. Think of the gifts they could create in the future. Exactly. They could be, I said the next Einstein, I meant the next Jeff, (laughs) you know? Yeah, they're they're gonna do this for more more than half of the children alive, right? Yeah. Like on planet Earth, because it it seems great. Yeah, so well, far. yeah, it's trickle down uh, gift. No, you're yeah. you you are exactly right. You are exactly right that that's that's what this builds. This builds. We elevate one, and can't we just tokenize that? Yeah, and say we did it. Yeah, and that's the fucking problem. That's it. Of course, you what didn't about do the, shit. What about the kids just slightly less achieving than them? And then, mm-hmm. what about everyone down in the middle of the curve? And God forbid, what about the dumb shits? Right. You know. Yeah. No. For, really. I. I. Like. What are you doing about the dumb shits? Does not everyone? Do I? Do we not want? Ashes I would to like to live crack. in a society where. Every human being, based on their being a human being, yeah. can live a dignified I life. Completely agree. Even I... if they are just incredibly stupid and and even if they are mostly useless to society. <laughs> which I think is not actually a lot of people. I think we make a lot of people useless to society. Yeah, with this I, system. I agree with that. But sure. I'm saying, like, even if we once we dole out all the opportunity equally and we support people with a base of living standard even if there's still some shiftless, stupid fucking, like, cousins and uncles, yeah. you know, uh-huh. just who just, just absolute ne'er-do-wells, even in with just every opportunity given to them. I'm saying, you're just gonna have to eat that, and yeah. that's okay, and they're still fucking human beings. Right. I don't, th- I think that's, like, an infinitesimally small number of people yeah. in a just society. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which, of course, like, the the right-wing and liberal view is that that's, like, a huge portion of society. That we must that address. They're, that yeah. st- we're all, they're all stupid and shiftless and will, like... And have no fucking personal responsibility. Milk, milk and, yes, yeah. and milk society for whatever the given book yeah. should really be in prison. Yeah. Um, no, it's I think this is... Going, no, it's but. good, it's good. I have, some, I have something about this dumb shit idea. <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, yeah, That just on. came to me today in an organic phone conversation I had with one of my friends who works for the world's largest nonprofit, Ooh. the DOD. <laughs> um, and, and, and I had a chat with him today about, about numbers. He loves, he knows, he knows where I sit politically. Yeah. I've known him since grade school. He knows where I sit politically and he, and, and he, he gets it. He's, he's like the ultimate, like actual like line splitting lib yeah. of all of them. Right. Cause he gets how like that basic liberal mentality is stupid and he respects how like I, I, he, he really does respect where I stand, but he knows there's no fucking money in it. You know, like that kind Yeah, it's yeah. like the Republican in between the left and the liberal yeah. where he's like, but you could still make cash. Have you thought about that? And you're like, no, I've never thought about that. Like, th- tell me about this new thing. Anyway, I was chatting with him today. When you said about the, quote-unquote, the dumb shit, apparently the DOD's thought process in this is that if you can just keep at least half of them not obese, the military will be fine. I literally heard about this for the first time in my life today, which is well, only why I said rules. that, the, like... That is the DOD's biggest problem right now, is that the quote-unquote dumb shits... Their main... Their like, main real pool, goal... Poor, like, just is Unfortunately, they're sitting around playing Call of Duty and getting too chubby to be able to run... To be in the military. This was this. I, sorry, that, that's why I was like trying to like. I wasn't trying to stop you. That's it was like, so funny. holy fuck, something that happened to me today in an organic conversation. Wow. I literally like the kind of comfortable conversation where I literally took a piss while I was on the phone with him. <laughs> anyway, that kind of conversation. You know, he divulged this to me. The DOD's main concern with the quote unquote dumb shits is just please keep them under like a certain weight so they can run. How fucking insane is it? Like, yeah, that's so unbelievable. You have the token person, right? The liberal goes, look, we did it. Yeah. And you literally have this thing that, by the way, pays for the liberal and the Republican side. This whole military-industrial <laughs> complex going, we don't give a fuck about the dumb shits. That's fine. Can we? Our concern is, can they just stop eating Cheetos? <laughs> like that—that that is the point Enough that we're, yeah, 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 or yeah. or the limit. Right, yeah. Right. So sorry. That's that's why you kept looking at me, going, "He has something to say." <laughs> that's why, because when you were like, "What do we do with the dumb shits?" I learned that today. Apparently, we just have to keep them fit. Oh, we're wow. set then. <laughs> we elevate the smartest, and we just keep enough of the dumb shits in shape to perpetuate the empire. Were we reading an article <laughs> so, at some point? Sorry. I, I take blame on that, too. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Not at all, not at all. No, 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 that's... The... The, the other insidious thing about this that we didn't even get to is that they will be funneled through tech companies, local tech companies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is absurd. I mean, there's so many other places people can work. And STEM and tech jobs are but, not... But innovative places? Well, I I won't say anything about that. But, uh, uh, we'll customer delight. <laughs> yeah. There are other companies with means that would be happy to have them. So Durkin says, We all benefit when Seattle kids get the opportunity to be world-class workers. 
Oh. Isn't that what you all dreamed of? World. I remember growing up in Bothell, looking up in the sky, watching the sunset in summer and going, one day, I'm going to be a world-class worker. One day, we're going to have a Republican mayor <laughs> named Jenny. Who runs as a Democrat. <laughs> a world-class <laughs> worker. Meaning, meaning, what that... I mean, like, it just sounds awful, but if you parse that, what you're saying, what she's literally actually trying to say is, world class as in can compete right. on the global market yeah. for labor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what we all deserve, is a worker who can compete with everyone else in a capitalist free market to sell their labor. And isn't fuck off, <laughs> right? Fuck off. And and didn't didn't Amazon decide not to do an HQ2 anywhere and stay in Seattle? Isn't it weird how she wants to perpetuate like And didn't she run against someone who was like if Amazon left, like that'd be fucking cool. We we're okay. Weird. Huh. Weird how all this is weird. None of this is yeah, linked. You're a communist if you think this is linked. Well, as we were talking about last week, no, smiles. Um, <laughs> delight. Uh there are employers and there are employees. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Yeah. And we've job proven, creators, job takers. We've proven with Gates, with Bezos. Uh, I mean, let's just throw Paul Allen in there too. Or how about Howard Schultz? That we have world-class employers. So now we just need to prove we have world-class employees, I think. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we can become a world-class city. <laughs> you solved it. The Ouroboros has finally been linked. It's critical that we not only provide access to free college, but we also... Whoa, yeah, hell yeah. But we also build... For a, everyone, right? Well, that's that not, that? not really that discussed that? here. Is that like in brackets that, or parenthetical? A, that's what you would assume if you heard that <laughs> Yeah, sentence. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. point. Like, but they didn't specify. <laughs> no. I didn't hear the... you say open parenthetical <laughs> yeah. for everyone, close parenthetical. I heard you say... Free college. Right. <laughs> but we also build a pathway to the good-paying jobs of the future. Uh, uh, but the context is for the small yeah. number of kids who deserve it, who yeah. merit our support and, uh, and those opportunities. Yeah. They have to earn it. Yeah. I'm sure they'll bootstrap themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle's new program is a step in the right direction. Due to economic limitations, many students lack access to traditional internships, which may require quitting a job or moving to another state. Wait, what does that say? Economic what? Economic limitations. Due to economic limitations. Due to poverty. No, <laughs> limit economic limitations. Oh, due to... Uh, Pandemic poverty. <laughs> Due to capitalist society. <clears throat> uh, this current system perpetuates racial and economic disparities. True. By positioning internships as a privilege for some students, rather than as a critical stepping stone for all as they move from college to professional employment. So, they're right about the fact that, yes, because of pandemic poverty... And that there, but the fact that there is like a small class of of wealthy kids who can, who are connected to get them in the first place, and then can, you know, move to another town and work for free or for low pay because they're supported by their parents. They can show up in a little suit that they wore to high school, and 
<laughs> they can like do the inter- internship interview, and then they can get supported by their parents while they do this like the opening gambit of their grand career in high finance or yeah. whatever. Um, that's the first part of that is true. Um, and then what? Wait, what was the next sentence? The the current system perpetuates racial and economic disparities. Yeah, absolutely true. By position, well, this is my favorite part. By positioning internships as a privilege for some students rather than as a critical stepping stone, so he's essentially advocating for free universal internships. universal internships. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yes, right now it's only available to the upper crust. But what's needed is for <laughs> everyone to have access to internships, to unpaid. <laughs> labor as a necessary stepping stone between your insanely expensive degree and a real career. Exactly. And, again, they're using this language of opening up opportunity, but we're still, even in this context, only talking about the small few of poor poor kids who deserve it. No, No concept of, like, everyone needs opportunity, but, like, look, the rich kids are getting the opportunity... We need to extend opportunity to the small number of poor people who aren't dumb. Yeah, who yeah. perform like rich yeah. kids. Have you ever, yeah. Like, well, you know how, like, all three of us, we chatted about this earlier in the hot tub. <laughs> we're worried. We're worried that we don't have enough access to free labor. Yeah. And yeah. if we could just make that pool bigger, right? That'd be great. That yeah. seems like they've found a way to, to solve they've cracked it. all of our... We weren't in a hot tub earlier. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a... I don't know if you guys... That uh, comes next. I'm trying to do punch-up. It's not working. You guys can fire me. I'm just a built-in punch-down. <laughs> Until initiatives like Opportunity Promise become more widespread, business leaders will shoulder the responsibility of narrowing this in- internship inequality gap. This is more like lionizing uh, just, of like, uh, the employer. That is what... That, I mean, he's... He's just instinctually, in the most, like, magnanimous way possible, saying they won't do this. That's well, he's, just saying... He's, he's, yeah, he's saying government has failed us. It is only out of the goodness of the employer's heart that we can make... But he's saying, way. ultimately, they won't do it. Well, so he's saying... They, they will shoulder, shoulder the burden because no one else is, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> right, right. That's his well, way of saying... Theoretically, they could. Theoretically, yeah. they could. What he means... What's... The truth of what he means is that isn't going to happen, so... But the way he says it is, they'll shoulder the burden. They'll carry the load. Oh, that is... Oh, my God. In doing, this is Forbes. <laughs> this is the intersection of strategy and leadership? Is that what it was? I don't know. Yeah, he's written about it extensively. <laughs> We're right there. I think we... I, the I intersection... <laughs> that's his beat in, in Forbes magazine. Figuring out where leadership and strategy intersect. What's what's this what's this guy's name? I have a uh, feeling Jason, the answer is board games. Jason Wincar. Dude, if you've ever been in a bar and picked somebody up because you literally told them you picked them you picked them up because you said you read about intersectionality, fuck off. This guy is the worst. You know he's done that. Oh probably. Oh yeah. wow. He's wow. done that. Wow. He's done that. Okay, technically that's a strategy I should try. Technically he's not lying but also i hope his dick explodes anyway continue oh not man. in a good way okay so in doing so they will access a wider pool of talent 
and a diverse array of skills that will undoubtedly strengthen their team. Because <laughs> you know, because poor people have a different skill set. This is true. Like, uh, they're yeah, not speaking of scrappy. I mean, yeah, like they have like a realistic view of the world. Um, they're not like pampered little shits who haven't ever wiped their own ass. <laughs> uh, they're not entitled and think they that everything they generate is like gold medal is status. A gift like yeah, is a gift to society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so they're desperate for your approval because they need it to survive, not because yeah. Of their like the state of their ego. Well, and they've been nagged by society at large for eighteen years of their life. Yeah, and then finally, given some, you know the, hey, you're you you made it. You're ready for the majors. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna win that championship. One strategy is offering micro internships, which allow students to work remotely on short-term projects while continuing to take courses live in student housing, and hold other jobs. So, it's Mechanical Turk. Well... It's a crowdsourcing, like... Maybe? Did they find a way to get kids to enter the professional world before they graduate? Yeah. Yeah, they technically have... They <laughs> oh, have shit. amateur status right here, so, you know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So, Go on. Yeah, let's learn... Explain this. What are micro-internships? <laughs> While internships have existed for decades, that's a hyperlink, by the way, in case do not you click wanted that. to follow do not that. What's oh my god, you click that, it's going to be arms and assholes. <laughs> yeah. You don't, don't do it. Don't it's do it. I know how Forbes gets their money. It's going to be Don't do that, it, man. Innovative <laughs> program types have begun to emerge. Virtual internships are increasingly popular. The University of Michigan's College of Literature, Science, and the Arts, for example, Connect students with global virtual internships in companies around the world. And even the federal government hires virtual interns in many bureaus. Wow. What do these virtual interns do? <laughs> Where micro-internships differ is in their execution, according to Parker Dewey, the organization that pioneered the concept. Micro-internships are short-term, paid, professional assignments that are similar to those given to new hires or interns, it explains. They usually consist of 5 to 40 hours of work and can occur any time of year. They are highly specific, project-based positions, often in areas, arenas like lead generation, <laughs> content creation, or data entry. <laughs> students, students receive a fixed fee. Typically equating to fifteen to twenty-five dollars per hour. Well, that's not too bad. And are given between one week and one month to complete their project. So it's 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 literally just a mechanical Turk for college kids, like with the imprimatur of the state. Like so, mechanical Turk is Amazon's massive crowdsourcing mm -hmm. platform. But there's a tons like this yeah. where it's well, yeah, or like Fiverr. Writing, like, quick, shitty articles for content for SEO or something, or, like, yeah. just fucking data entry. It's tricking people into doing those jobs that probably thought they were too good to do them in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because, again, yeah. we're talking about the upper crust. We're yeah. talking about yeah. the, 
the high performers, these like people getting like these liberal arts degrees, right? Rather than just the the tech the nerds, yeah. the STEM kids, this is a way to get the liberal arts kids with like who are getting degrees in like literature and and the social sciences to like put in articles for like shitty websites to hone their craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Without any, you know, benefits or, you know, any kind of... Oh, just no. Just a, a fee, you know. Here's the deal. We all know that Maya Angelou could have benefited from taking a little time out from her genius to just pen some shitty articles. <laughs> all right? For some fucking cash. All right? We pay, we're paying Hell her. Yeah. Just, and just, you know, maybe set her straight for the future. <laughs> then she will never write something meaningful. Like, that's, I, I know I took that, that's a big leap I took. No. But the point is, it seems like they're trying to, it's like almost like a catch-all. Like, will you, how do we catch these assholes <laughs> that are going to think for themselves forever? Yeah. yeah, we got stomp it out. That's ridiculous. We, need we can't to get them while go. they're while they're still available to for 20, us. Twenty five bucks an hour. Yeah, that also. I mean, that they said it's a flat fee, right? Yeah. So well, just, they're yeah. saying, which usually equates to fifteen. That sounds like that's completely subjective and could mean anything. So it's yep. really it's it depends on how fast you complete the task. Maybe which is yeah. going to be a totally subjective thing, which means it probably could end up being a lot worse than that. Yeah. in reality. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think that is pretty awful, actually, about this is that doing that kind of work in no way is providing a benefit that an actual internship might provide, which is like being on site and being part of a group. You're a remote worker doing a menial Like a very segmented, like... narrow task not interacting with anybody and then the whole premise of this article is that the people that will be doing this are people that can't get internships so again it's just like we're pushing these people towards ghettoizing uh, yeah exactly a new internship ghetto that is just mechanical yeah you thought you made it but fuck you like, you're going to go do University 5. Or well, whatever. I take back everything I said. Thank God this is only for the few who deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah. Let's just finish this, this I need section a, out. I need a shower. Yeah, no. This one, this one hurts. I feel dirty, and I don't believe in any of the things that they're going for, and I feel dirty hearing it. Yeah, it's it's awful. In its first few years, Parker Dewey claims it has helped. Where have we heard this before? More than 1,000 students complete micro-internships at companies such as Microsoft, CBRE, Dell, Leo Burnett, and Barilla. Perhaps inspired by the organization, Northeastern University has recently introduced a similar program called the Experiential Network. That sounds like oh some kind God. of Gen X, like virtual reality. That sounds like Cronenberg. Yeah, ex- shit. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like existence or something. <laughs> uh, anyway, which arranges virtual six week week projects for its students. Research and practice have identified three ways this trend can benefit both employers and students. And then it goes goes on to like make up horrific things that I don't think we should delve into because this is, is that a few us. thousand. Few thousand uh, students. Yes. Well, they, more, they helped, more, more than they more helped them complete yeah. internships. But there's, I, I, I just did quick googling. So there's twenty five thousand oh sixty seven students in Washington right now. 
But that's over a couple years. Yeah. So we could couple. I say I've been married a couple times or a bunch of times. <laughs> I like it, it, the the number changes, right? Because like what you mean. So couple could mean what? That's fifty thousand or seventy five thousand. They've helped a couple thousand of those. <laughs> helps. We, we're not even specific here. Like, yeah. What is that? What is that percentage? Well, they Placed got them in, in gig work. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. So the ways that the believers, those people living in the intersection of strategy and leadership believe that it can help democratize the college to career transition. I think we just completely cut through that bullshit argument. Yeah, we laid less than rest. 0.05%. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> s- <coughs> Sorry. Wow. I, I had to know. It's working. They're helping so many people. Stop the math. And no he- more math. <coughs> Here's the bingo. Create a more diverse talent pool. That's the nut of the meritocracy myth, right? Is this if you can just represent, if you democratize opportunity in that, you circumvent the structural like limitations of poverty, racism, etc. by picking the most talented, the smartest people from those pools, you will then have represented in the leadership of the world, in politics, in business, and whatever, you will have people of many races and backgrounds. That's liberal meritocracy. But again... What the fuck about everyone else? Does that stop our our people are like bl- young black men's not being killed by police in that scenario? No. Guess yeah, what? They no. they still are. Right. Because that's what we have now. Yeah. Are people not poor of every possible like race and background in America? To, you know, no. This is bullshit. But so you as an don't employer fall for it. can feel great. Yeah, because you can show. Look on our our leadership team. You know, we have three women and one and one black man and yeah. so we have solved society <laughs> we fixed it yeah you know? we did it <laughs> yay so looks like we made it that's the quote from jenny durkin in the article look how far <laughs> we've come my baby um so the third thing is this one's for all the again the people at the intersection who've made it this far they're saying you know what this sounds pretty good reduce hr cost and attrition so I'm just gonna... yeah. Wait, wait, but by not even by not by hiring anyone not in the first place. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to read the first. Fixed it. The first... We fixed the glitch. It... Yeah, <laughs> we just go around it. So I just want to read the first paragraph of this section because it's funny. Traditional internship programs can be an expensive investment. One full time, <laughs> twelve dollar per hour intern for ten weeks equates to four thousand eight hundred dollars in payroll. Along with the need for Even though workspace, you housing or transportation, the need stipend, for workspace and personnel to hire and manage them. The need for what the fuck? The need for work. The the person you are getting to work for, the educated Amen. like college educated like bring your own degree imminent That's that you're getting to work for twelve for like tw- a stipend yeah. that they're calling twelve dollars an hour. The need for work... Sp- oh, man, but, you know, when you have employees to make you money, when you have people doing labor to make you money, not only do you have to pay them... God, that shit sucks. I hate But that. you have to yeah, pay people to pay them. Oh. If you want to build things in a factory, get this. No. You have to have a factory. Oh, God damn it. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. Well, so here's... What is that... Fuck, here's, how do you even, like... 
Here's the mic drop that I didn't even read before. So, Jason Wingard is the Dean and Professor of the School of Professional Studies at Columbia University. <laughs> Professional <laughs> Studies! <laughs> he's a... Uh... He's uh, an intersectional professional studies uh, professor. That's what like, he goes on to say, with yeah. an academic focus in the areas. He's of studying the the, the intersectional Jason oppression Wingard. of Jason yeah. Wingard. Jason Wingard, uh, why won't you debate me? <laughs> J- Jason Wingard, let's do this. Literally debate any one of the three of us. No, why no, won't I'm out, you? I'm out of that. <laughs> I'm into it. Right, I'm into it. Right. I'm into it. I like one, this though. There's one, a challenge. Yeah, one hundred percent. The gauntlet. One hundred percent. Don't you know you throne. can just be anyone and debate somebody just with yeah. a, with with this well, verbal, you can on Twitter. verbal challenge True. i will obviously be spamming this episode to his twitter if he has one. Oh my god i will i will give that press as well like let's do this let's i want to debate this man if nothing else i will metaphorically throw punch him yeah i don't want to debate him. i just want to call him a dumb idiot yeah. an what, asshole what on an my podcast. absolute fuck face yeah, this well, is I mean, uh, this is real bad. Oh Thanks. my god! Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, wait. Just go back to the we... top and read her quote again at the top of this article. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's let me. Not find my it. mayor. <laughs> Hashtag not my mayor. We all benefit when Seattle kids get the opportunity to be world class workers. Oh! <laughs> because we know world class work. Is doing fucking temp gig jobs. Yeah. No, no, but this is no, 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 no. But this is the pathway to that. Uh You gotta pay your dues. All you gotta do is you've gotta work your ass off to get straight A's and a scholarship and the backing of like your counselors and administrators in your poor performing school to get like into a. A good school you need to get be the one of the like three kids who get this scholarship to just two years of your college yeah then you need to complete that degree incurring debt on the other two years mm-hmm. you need to do these internships that are just junk work like piecemeal fucking gig work creating like nonsense for the internet or just entering data that is going to put you on a path to i assume getting your graduate degree and for more debt and then getting and then if you're lucky getting into a comp one of these tech companies uh only to be fired at some point i assume i don't know or be or more importantly to succeed and be one of the tiny few who do you know the the three of us were talking about this earlier when Jones was driving us around in the bends, mm-hmm. if you remember. <laughs> Our biggest problem was we were like, college football has it nailed. They have a, they literally have a minor league system that makes billions. Yep. Yep. They have a labor force that don't get, that, that they don't get paid, and we get to vet them. And I remember uh, you made your money in steel, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, you made exactly. your money in diamonds. Yes. Um, I made my money in glitter, because let's be honest, I'm fantastic. <laughs> And the point is, is that we were all wondering if there was only a way to vet just poor, starving yeah. uh, potential potential. Let's give let, let's let, yeah. let's not let's not get anyone hopes up. Okay, like potential workforce. How could they vet for us while they're still in college? Yeah, 
If only we could manipulate a system the way ah, fucking college football has. It's so brilliant, you know, with their no union and their um, no rights to their own likeness. Yeah, yeah, and the brain injuries that will cause them to shoot themselves in the chest. I'm only not laughing you know, because this bit is more insightful than it is but, funny, and now yeah. I'm taken up in that. And that's my point, though. Like, I, I that's the I, I am for hire. I do work that's comedy that is so insightful. It actually stops Greg. He goes. He literally loses himself in the bit. Hey, that is a skill. But you see what I'm saying? Like, the, but the, that's my point. Like, they're literally like, how do we do this? Yeah. They're fucking people so hard with such hard dicks. How do we do it? <laughs> yeah. How do we do it? Literally, if there was only a fucking mayor out there that would give us fucking stupid ass quotes. Like, who's dumb enough? No one's dumb enough. But, like, like, it really is about... It really is about all this meritocracy bullshit is just about vetting from the pool that has no other... From the massive pool, labor pool of America, most of whom have no, like, intrinsic opportunity, it's just vetting... We need some grist for the mill. We need cogs in the machine. And our capital... capitalist structure isn't sustainable if a few of them don't come from this like the unwashed masses but we need elaborate systems to vet those people to get the right ones the ones who aren't complete dumb shits and and we don't have the social structures to do that so we need to invent these these complicated we we also don't want the social structures. no 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 that's the point and they can pull they can pass all this off by a simple phrase that they'll all say, and that is that they only made these decisions to mitigate risk. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we mitigated risk. Yeah, we were no longer taking a risk on someone who might not pan out. Everyone just wants to take the risk on the thing that well, that was a sure thing, and now we got them to prove it for yeah. fucking peanuts. Yeah, like and and that's how they'll sell it. Like at their trials, they should all be on trial by the way. <laughs> but at their trials, they'll all say shit. Like I was we were, just mitigating I, I was risk. Just mitigating. <laughs> That's the Seattle defense. <laughs> That's their fucking get off. That's their fucking get off. <laughs> I was I, I was mitigating risk, y'all. Like it's fine. Like that's that, that that's all I was doing. We 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 saw risk. We were you know t- too much. We were losing too much money. That's it. So fucking gross. Yeah. Oh, so I love gross. this. I love this. When it all when when the revolution when the, comes, when the trials come. we try them all here in Seattle at the. The spiritual the home of of managerial liberalism. <laughs> That'll be the defense that you study in law school for years. The mitigating risk. The Seattle yeah. defense is I was just mitigating risk. Yeah, <laughs> that rules. That <laughs> we've arrived at a new synthesis here. I think today. <laughs> uh, I think like we have gone beyond generating content for the internet. We have we have yeah. achieved synthesis. Yeah, my third eye is open in the third place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see clearly. Yeah. All right, what's your drink though? What's your order? <laughs> uh, oh my god! Well, this has wow. been absolutely uh, repulsive. Um, <laughs> thank you, uh, Justin Williams, for coming on. We appreciate you being here on the boat. Yeah, thank um, you so thanks much. for listening, everybody. Um, to this uh, entitled tech bro that you despise prattle on uh, <laughs> with us uh, with the other 
tech bro don't, calling don't, that. Don't out me, Greg. <laughs> what else yeah, do but we... was there anything I, that I, you wanted yeah, to plug? Yeah. Or... I do like to take the opportunity when a microphone is in front of me to talk about just one thing real briefly. I yeah, know how no, to do this please, real, real concisely. And that is that uh, being a native uh, Michigander, I run into a lot of people <laughs> who ask me about Detroit. And I'd just like to drop a few things, and it's it's astounding to me how many people don't know anything about about Detroit other than the uh, horrible, uh, like, the porn side of Detroit, which is the dilapidation porn. Yeah. They're just like, look at all this empty shit. Um, Detroit, it's, it's 2019. Uh, Detroit has around 700,000 people. Seattle has around the same. Detroit still has a higher population density. I want to start with that. I want to start with the fact that there's still fucking people there. Yeah. And 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 the number one thing I'd like to, to say about Detroit, because I feel like Seattle has a relationship with Detroit it doesn't know. And that is that Seattle's been the fastest growing city like once or twice. Yeah. Detroit was the fastest growing city on planet Earth for 40 straight years. Fuck. Um, here's the deal. Uh, real quick. Just a real quick history because I'm sick of this, uh, this knowledge not being out there. Um, jobs are colorblind. Like, absolutely jobs are colorblind when there's demand. The automotive industry blew up so much that even prior to the civil rights movement, Detroit hired so many people that it built something that the world hadn't seen, America hadn't seen, and that's a black middle class. Yeah, wow. That black middle class gave us things like Motown. Yeah. They gave us things like industries, bars, restaurants... Things that were owned, you know, by this community that hadn't achieved this. There's only one other community, honestly, that that did, and that was Watts. And there's a similarity I'm going to get to here in a second. And the idea is, what happens when that actually comes home comes home to roost, and you realize how systemic racism is, is that Detroit is the way it is today because white people could not handle. A black middle class. And I don't... I, I hate the bullshit that spreads about, you know, the biggest city in my home state is that, oh, there's a lot of factors, you guys. It's economics, and, and a little bit of it was racial. It was all racial. You never had a black middle class anywhere in this country until Detroit came along. A full, strong black middle class. It destroyed real estate because white people all of a sudden did not want to live next to somebody that didn't look like them. You had the police cracking down on black businesses all the fucking time. They had enough. And in 1967, they had enough. And even the, uh, the, the Catherine Bigelow docu- like say documentary, the movie she made doesn't even cover this. You pushed a city to its brink between black and white where it literally ripped itself apart and now is actually deemed on a united nations level like unfixable at this point that's how strong racism is in this country that's how it hasn't gone away in this country and moving the the biggest thing i will say and and one of the biggest things i wanted to come on seattle sucks for is because the biggest reason i think seattle sucks having lived here 12 years is that it's a bubble to that this whole thing even happened yeah. or that this world exists outside of itself you had a beautiful gem of a city ripped apart simply because white people could not handle black people making fucking money 
That exists out here, and it ripped a city apart, and it's still feeling it today. Its population density is still higher than Seattle's, by the way. We all know how crowded we are. That's all I wanted to say. I'm sorry. Hell, uh, yeah. Thank you for that uh, heartfelt proclamation. Didn't Charles write something about how Seattle was like Detroit? Well, he... He, it was a comparison yeah. of like, of how he didn't get into that part of it in that, but it was, uh, how that's the only option that the sort of oh, liberal the dichot- tech the false thing is like, well, you can be a failing dead city like Detroit, which is what, or you can be a growing perfect city like Seattle. Yeah. And, you know, the bullshit of all yeah. that. I, and, I, uh, may I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is not to put anybody on the spot, and and in fact, I won't even pull you two. I just want your all the listeners close your eyes at this point. Picture the biggest, like rate, like the, the highest percentage of Af- African American population you can think of in a city. The answers that usually come out are Atlanta, yeah. they're St. Louis, Atlanta, it fifty percent, St. Louis, like forty nine percent. Detroit's at 84% and has been for a long time. That's an, another one of those just, you know, not so fun facts. And I don't mean not so fun facts because it's not a positive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, right. it's one of those things that people just don't understand. Like, especially Seattle. So, for somebody to compare the two, what's Seattle? 4%? Yeah, it's really bad. So, the, you know, like, even even that general idea. You know, and and it's just one of those things that I'm very passionate about because the destruction, the very public destruction of Detroit, it, as many factors as people want to blame it on, they can't, they cannot lie about this. It's it was about race from the beginning, and it's about race now, and that's it's just it's it's sad. It's sad to see. So, yeah, I mean, so, well, you can see that in the way that. Whatever pro whatever problems outside of that that it did have you know, might have been, like, solved in another city by the states, by the federal government, and that whole area of Michigan has just been left to fall apart just fall and apart. just disintegrate. Yep. Uh, you know, and it our collective structural racism is just wait, like, our institutional racism, just waiting for all those people to just dissipate or yeah. die and and dissolve that center yeah. of black power. Let's let's say global capitalism hadn't allowed for jobs to move overseas. Yeah. It still would have exploded. It still would have ripped itself apart. They'd have, they'd have moved just around the country if they yeah. couldn't do and, anything else. And, yeah. and the idea, you know, and, and that's the thing. The automotive industry was colorblind, at least in that one way. It grew so fucking fast that it didn't care. Didn't have a choice. It, 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 exactly. It, it, it did not, it needed people bodies here doing this and when that boom broke all you're left with is a city of you know just the, all of that racial tension blown up and that white people are the worst i'm sorry well that's a <laughs> uh, happy note yeah, to end on we always love to do that don't we? uh yeah should yeah, we... we we have a we do have a shout out so oh oh yeah um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Should we direct people to your Twitter? Uh, your <laughs> well, yeah, what, yeah. I have fifty-two followers, but you know what? Get ready to have four more. <laughs> yes, you're gonna get the Seattle sucks bump. Yeah, <laughs> make, uh, let's make it sixty, everybody. Yeah, I I've had a really stupid nickname uh, that stuck with me since third grade because no one could pronounce Justin in third grade. They all called me Justin, so it's Justin, but as like the squeezed fruit juice tin tweets. 
Yeah. So juice and tweets. Go go follow him, please. We'll we'll make a link to that in our show notes as well, so that people. Because you are kind of extremely online. Um, I, I am kind of extremely like online. Have, I, you like you. I have spurts. You have spurts. You yeah. Have spurts of yeah. I have not. I have not had a job in a long. Yeah, time. that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I will tweet at blue check marks until they retweet me, <laughs> just to get me to shut the fuck up. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> We need more like you. Um, yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> Warriors. You're a brave, a brave man. We we got one one new patron on Patreon. Um, yeah, so we want to do a shout out to Eric Arvidson. Hell yeah. Who also sent us a extremely funny little message asking when he was going to be connected with services. And there was a drone with like a, I don't know like an AR-15 holding an AR-15. So don't worry, Eric. Just sleep with one eye open. It's they're, on the way. They're coming the for you. The package is on the way. I've heard, by the way, Eric, amazing kisser. Ooh. Yeah, I will. Yeah, me too. That's all over Twitter. Wow. Okay. Well, thank yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you Eric. Um, if you want to be like Eric, and you do want to be like Eric, you, you want to give us money. That's the main thing. Just give us money. <laughs> um, yeah, money. you heard. You heard, Greg. Come on. No, it's not a sob story. It's because we're cool. Oh, right. It's not because we need money. Yeah. We don't need your money. You want to give it to us because you like us. <laughs> and we're cool. So, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's we have a Patreon is what we're getting at. Yeah. So, give us money. The price, uh, the suggested donation is the price of a current Starbucks uh, tall latte at your local Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, current market price, like lobster. Yeah. Uh, Highly variable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and you can find us on Twitter, uh, Seattle Sucks Pod, and you can email us at Seattle Sucks Podcast at gmail.com, and you can find our show pretty much anywhere now at this point. Yeah, subscribe, rate, whatever, star, yeah, thumbs up, um, jerk off hands, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, send us stuff that you find because I mean, we said it before, we can't. We're not always extremely online. We miss things. We also... Oh, sh- have- hat tip to Brian for oh, yeah. sending us that Fast Company the article. Samaritan we forgot to mention stuff. that. Yep, thank you very that, much. Uh, Brian Platt. Um, I or a Y. Friend up... Uh, oh, it's an I. <laughs> okay. I. Just checking. Just checking. Uh, Brian Platt, friend of the show. Yes. A multi-time guest. Drinking buddy of mine. Police. Um, police official. Police aficionado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't he, know if I'm excited or sad. Oh, you're excited. Yeah, okay, you're, you're excited. You haven't gotten to those episodes yet, but you're excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm going back to the catalog, guys. Yeah. No, I'm catching fair. up. <laughs> good. I'm good. catching up. I'm too online. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Stay there. No, we, we know it's hard. Yeah, and I want to shout out uh, Ian Edwards as well for sending us a piece that we haven't talked about yet, but we might talk about soon. So, yeah, if you, you have things you want to talk about, send them our way, or you want us to talk about, send them our way. We'll do our best to cover them. We'll do our we best to it. read the email. Well, we like, will we'll use a local college student who only was there by the grace of the liberal establishment to... We'll use, like, read someone, the article a, for a, us, a, summarize a little black it. girl who grew up in yeah. poverty who has got straight A's and is just... And to get ahead in the world is reduced to, like, doing our data entry. Yeah, and who's at it. least, like... Two standard deviations. Uh, More intelligent than us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for asking. As, as their as their attorney, they're just mitigating. Yeah.
risky. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks again. It was just mitigating risk. <laughs> My dear. <laughs> we can mitigate risk. Uh, thanks again, Justin, and.